Hey, um, it is my first time sharing this morning, and for those that don't know me, my name is Bella, and I'm the youth director here, along with Josiah, my husband. Yeah, come on. <laughs> and we love what we do here. We love our young people. We love the youth ministry and the incredible young people that are part of it. Um, we love our team. We love our pastors, but we love this church. Um, I've been part of this church for about six years now. I had to check back. I don't really know how long it is, six years? Josiah says, yes, I trust him. About six years now. And, and I remember um, being in grade 12, I think, and being a teenager. And I was, um, I was listening to worship music just on my way home, uh, just walking home from school. And I would write these preachers in my head and I would like present them as like worship music was playing. And it was very, it was received very well by the neighborhood um, as I walked. <laughs> and I would practice these preachers. And I just, I have known, um, I think Josiah and I know that ministry is on our heart, ministry is on our life. And it's just very exciting. And it's such a privilege to be able to share this morning. Um, so yeah, so that's part of um, who I am and what I do. And I, I'm going to share this morning. And when Az asked me um, to share, he asked for me to share what was on my heart. And uh, the word for the week was vulnerable, uh, which is great because we love being vulnerable. But I'm going to share a bit about my story, a bit about who I am and where I've come from. And the thought I have this week that's been stirring in my heart, um, I really, um, it's been challenging me this week. It's been a really like working in me. So please know that I'm preaching to myself here this morning. But I pray that it's also an encouragement to you. Uh, you will have to be a bit more verbal this morning because I can't see if you're smiling or frowning at me. Um, so give me some sort of indicator. I know that when in worship, like I was worshiping it like with my hands a lot more. Like your se- other senses start to like work harder because you're <laughs> struggling to like breathe through the mask. But I'm so so grateful that we're here together. So so grateful that we're meeting here together. Um, but I've actually given my message a title this morning, and it's called "Found in Forgiveness." Found in fo- yeah. Take notes. Get the notebooks out. Yep. <laughs> found in forgiveness and uh, if you didn't get it from as my story this morning is or my message this morning is all about Jesus it's all about Jesus so um, if you don't know Jesus or you've never heard of who this guy is or you've never sat in a church before maybe this is your first time uh, it's my hope and it's my prayer that by the end of um, today you will have gotten to know a little bit more about Jesus and his plans and purpose for you. And also at the end of this message, I'd love to give an opportunity to invite you in and to have a relationship with him. So strap in, get ready. It's going to be a good morning. We are going to look at a story found in Mark 2. And this story is about Jesus, four very determined men and their paralytic friend. And you might know this story, you might recognize that story, you may have never heard of it before, but we're going to go through it together. So we're reading from Mark 2, verses 1 to 12. If you've got a Bible, you can follow along. If not, it'll be behind me on the screen. All right, let's begin. Just to give a little bit of background to this story, setting the scene of what's going on here, Jesus is about to shake some things up in his ministry. I love Jesus and what he does because he doesn't do what you expect him to do, right? And so Jesus has started his ministry when he's 30 years old and he's gone out and he started to perform some healings. He started to do some miracles. People are starting to listen to him. He's starting to teach a bunch of people. He's gained a pretty significant social media following. 
following. So people are really like obsessed with him. And what we're doing right now in this moment where we pick up is Jesus is teaching in a town called Capernaum. So this is where we're up to. So verse 1, and it says, And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was, so that when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were reasoning thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went out into the presence of them all so that All were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. How cool. How cool. I'm just going to stop there for a second. Um, It's funny because I think the very last job I would ever want to do or to be is a high school teacher. Who's a high school teacher? I'll pray for you. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you why it's funny because if you don't know me, a little bit about me, uh, obviously I run the youth ministry here, so I must care about young people a little bit. Um, No, but the thing is, I love high schoolers. I love them. I think they're epic. I think they're awesome. Uh, Two, I work in a high school. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Uh, three, my heart and my purpose is, is for the high schoolers of the Redlands. Like, that is just my passion. And so it's funny because you think, well, why wouldn't you want to be a high school teacher? Well, I'll tell you why. Because I think a high school teacher would have to be the most patient, the most grace-filled person ever because they are constantly interrupted in class constantly. I work in a high school. I hear it all the time. I could not imagine the frustration of being in a classroom. Please never put me in a classroom situation where I actually have to teach material. It's actually like somebody asked me to cover a class, just like, can you, I'll be two seconds. And I'm like, no, that's not, that's not for me. Thank you. I don't think I could deal with it because the frustration of the constant interruptions. Now, I will admit when I was in high school, I was that kid. Like, I wasn't a naughty kid, right? Yeah. Let me convince you that I'm not a naughty kid. In, in high school, we would have this substitute teacher that would come into class, and we just knew that this guy liked to talk, right? And so, and I'm pretty sure all the Redlands College kids know this one substitute teacher. He had the best stories, right? And so, we would be like, you know what? If we ask enough questions, we can get through this entire class without doing any work. Guaranteed every single time it worked. We would just interrupt the class with, Sir, can you tell us uh, about that time that you were in Morocco? 
And it was awesome. It was actually amazing. But we constantly interrupt, sir, can you tell us about this time? Can you tell, what about this time? And we would get through the entire class every single time. The bell would go and he would look down and be like, oh, we didn't really get through much today. And everyone's like, victory. We got it. So interruptions. As a teacher, I could not deal with it. It'd be just so annoying. I am going to leave that for the people with more grace, more patience than me. I do not feel that that is my calling in life. But when we look at this story in the Bible, we actually see so many interruptions, right? I mean, this scene is actually so chaotic, Jesus is in a house, right? And there are crowds of people pouring in, trying to hear Jesus teach, right? You can imagine it. You can imagine people trying to squish their way in. Sorry, excuse me. Sorry. Shh, shh. And everyone's trying to hear what Jesus got to say. And everyone's mumbling, trying to shove in. And people are trying to get into the house. It's not working. And then these four guys with their paralytic friend are trying to shove through. Nope, that's not going to work. You're going to have to go around the back. They go around the back, climb onto the roof. Can you imagine? And then they start ripping the roof apart. I don't think you get this. This isn't their house. This doesn't belong to them, right? So that, could you imagine somebody in the roof right now and ceiling tiles just start falling? What are you, are you going to listen to me or are you going to be like, what is going on up there? Josiah joked that he was going to get in the roof and drop ceiling tiles as like an analogy. And I was like, that's funny, but like I wouldn't be able to preach through that, obviously. And then not only is the ceiling falling apart, someone's house is being demolished, they start lowering a person down. Now, if that happened in here today, who are you going to be looking at, me or them? Like, it's a distraction. It's an interruption. I would be so frustrated if that happened, right? And the thing about Jesus is that he was constantly interrupted, constantly. We look throughout the entire Bible and we look at Jesus' ministry. He was constantly interrupted. Right? He was interrupted while he was traveling. He was interrupted in the middle of prayer. We all know how like, annoying that is when that happens. He was interrupted in the middle of a conversation. That's rude. He was interrupted while on his way to healing someone. That's pretty important business. He was interrupted while asleep. <laughs> Don't do that. He was interrupted on his way to raising someone from the dead. I'm like, that's pretty important business. I wouldn't be going interrupting that. But the thing is that the Son of Man was sent to the earth to do this massively important job and, and he's just covered with all these interruptions. I would be pretty annoyed if that was me. I was like, no, sorry, I've got to do stuff. I've got to be places. I've got bigger and better important things to do. But the interruptions didn't actually annoy Jesus. In fact, I think he thrived in those kinds of situations because Jesus' priorities are different to our priorities. Jesus doesn't mind being interrupted because his priority is the heart. Jesus prioritizes the heart. When dealing with people's hearts, Jesus is always dealing with something called sin. And sin is something that we don't really like to talk about, but it's something that Jesus never shied away from talking about. In fact, in this story, he was the one that brought it up. He was the one that brought the topic of sin up. This man was brought to Jesus to get his legs healed. That's why his friends brought him. But Jesus is the one that brings up the topic of the man's sin. 
And we need to talk about sin because it's an issue of the heart. Sin is an issue of the heart. And if Jesus prioritizes the heart, then we need to talk about it. Now, in this time, it was widely believed that a person's sickness was directly related to either their sin or the sin of their parents. If someone was born with an injury or an ailment, it was believed to be the result of sin. In fact, we see um, another account in the Bible where the disciples actually asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? It was a common understanding that there was a relationship between sin and sickness. And this is because sin has to have a consequence. Sin has to have a consequence. We see in Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If we jump all the way back to Genesis, in the beginning of creation, everything was perfect, right? Everything was perfect. But when sin entered the world, it became broken and sickness came from that. We live in a fallen and broken world and sin is the original root of all sickness and all death. When the paralytic man was brought to Jesus, he had a physical need, okay? That's the reason the four men brought him to Jesus, right? He had a physical need, obviously, to have him healed. But the paralytic's sin was not actually on their mind. They weren't thinking about that. They were just thinking physically. Yet this is what Jesus looked at first. The man's foremost problem was not his physical condition, but his spiritual one. Jesus prioritizes the heart and the first thing he says is, son, your sins are forgiven. Then later he says, arise, take up your bed and walk. The first thing he says is, son, your sins are forgiven. Now then, arise, take up your bed and walk. How cool is that? So often we go to God with a need and we prioritize our physical situation that we're in, but God wants to first deal with our heart condition. And I know I've gone to God and asked him to move my situation, to make it better, move that mountain, make it go away. But maybe God was more interested in my heart condition in that moment rather than my physical situation. You see, God um, God and Jesus, they don't play by the rules of this world God's kingdom seems upside down at times. It seems back to front. And I think it's because we're so used to sorting out the outward first, but Jesus is more interested in your soul than your situation. Jesus didn't just heal this man of his physical brokenness. He forgave his entire life and restored his heart completely. This man wasn't just broken physically. He was broken internally. I mean, you think about it, he had spent his entire life believing that he wasn't good enough or that the sin in his life was the reason why he couldn't walk. So what does Jesus do? He comes into his life and he says, your sins are forgiven. I forgive you and now I restore you. So stand up, take your mat and walk out healed. Jesus is in the business of restoration And think for a moment what that would have been like being that paralytic man. He would have lived his entire life paralyzed, 
stuck, immovable, frustrated, unable to help himself. He would have questioned his entire life. Why me? Why do I have to deal with this? Why did this happen to me? What did I do wrong? What did I do to deserve this? And I know even in my life, I felt stuck. I felt desperate. I've been in seasons where I felt hopeless and where I felt very helpless. A little bit about my story um, is before Jesus. Hey, we all have a before Jesus story. Before Jesus, I was really a very, very lost person. When I was eight years old, my parents divorced. For me, it seemed very suddenly, and I honestly look back, and I think that's the moment in my timeline where I'm like, oh, that's where everything started. I was eight years old, my parents divorced, and my dad actually left where we were living in New South Wales, and he moved up to Brisbane, so he left. And I can feel from that moment that there was a big sense of abandonment that I felt that was left in me from that moment, from my dad leaving. I was hurt. I was broken. I didn't understand why someone would have left me, why I wasn't good enough to stick around for. All these thoughts just constantly like scarring me, breaking my heart. It left me with a sense of abandonment. And from that, there was a lot of resentment that came. From hurt, resentment comes. Really, really struggled growing up with separated parents. Just felt like I wasn't handling it very well at all. I struggled with my relationship with my dad because of that resentment, because of that hurting. Never seemed quite right. And as I grew up and as I kind of got into my teenage years, it seemed to get harder and worse. That hurt just got amplified more and more and more. And one thing I've learnt about myself is that I really value um, home and stability. Uh, for, so for a divorced child, uh, it's not a fun time where you're being thrown to and from house to house, different occasions. And actually going over to my dad's place on the weekends became a really negative experience for me. Um, so much so that it triggered a lot of anxiety in me. And I started dealing with anxiety every single time someone told me I had to go over or said that, you know, we're going over to dad's now. And it started to get so bad, I started to deal with panic attacks at those moments. And I would deal with these panic attacks that would come on. And um, if you've never had one before, like, it's, it's debilitating. It's, it's like... It's paralyzing. You can't breathe. You can't do anything. You have no control over any of your physical reactions. It's horrible. And so I was dealing with this anxiety and panic attacks. I just felt broken. I just felt lost. And as I grew up a bit more and as years went by and things just started getting worse and worse and my relationship with my dad just started crumbling apart, I dealt with a lot of um, depression for a season. And I'd have moments where I would wake up in the morning, look out the window and think, man, I'm exhausted, I can't wait for this day to end. And I'd just be so broken. I was in such a terrible, terrible place. And I know that in a room like this, that there are so many stories. Each one of us, with our own stories and our own moments in our life where we've had seasons where we've felt very stuck, very hopeless or immovable paralyzed, maybe in our situation, unable to control what's going on. 
But you know, I'm so grateful for God and the testimony in my life because when I was 15 years old, a couple of friends, married one of them, <laughs> invited me to youth um, and I had an encounter with God. How good. I had an encounter with God and from that moment, like he set me free from that. He set me free. I was a new creation in that moment. And I remember very recently, you know, once I made that decision to follow Jesus, I was praying with an elder in this church and she um, was praying for me and we were praying together and she said, hey, um, I think we should pray for your dad. And I was like, don't really want to do that. Not really in a place where I want to do that at the moment. In fact, at that point in time, our relationship was the worst it's ever been. We weren't on speaking terms. So we weren't talking. I wasn't taking any calls from him. I, like we were just not in communication. It was the worst it's ever been. And so she brings up my dad and I'm thinking, why are you bringing him up? Like I don't talk to him. I don't want to deal with that. And she said, I think we should pray for your dad. And I think we should pray for God's love and forgiveness over him. And I was like, I really don't want to do this. <laughs> and so after a lot of praying, a lot of tears, like ugly crying, like it was bad, there was snot everywhere, like it's <laughs> not good, not good situation. <laughs> really real with you guys. After, after some time, we ended up praying for my dad and I actually prayed a prayer of love and forgiveness over my dad. And I prayed a prayer to release God's love and forgiveness over my dad. And I left that prayer meeting feeling like something had lifted, like something was off me now. And I got in my car and I, I was about to turn my car on and I get a text. And the text was from my dad. And I was like, are you kidding me? The timing of that is ridiculous. And I look at the message and it's this big long paragraph and I could not tell you what was in it, only that it changed our relationship forever. Like God's love and forgiveness was interwoven throughout that entire message. It was insane. How good. And um, I love the story of my dad and me. And I probably should like wrap it up and tell you like, where are we now? Like what's going on? But I love, I love the story I have and the testimony I have with my dad because I just think it's such a great parallel to the restoring power of God's love and forgiveness. And so now where I'm at with my dad is, oh my gosh, best place ever. Like me and my dad have the best relationship I've ever had with him in my entire life. We were meant to visit him the other weekend past. He's living in Canberra at the moment. Uh, we were meant to visit him and he was just so excited to have us over there. We we're going to lime scooter it around Canberra and visit all the place, go to Questacon and like, we will do that soon. But I just know like my dad is one of my, like, he's my biggest fan. If he was in Brisbane today, he'd be sitting front row. Like, I, I love my dad. And, and the thing is, we're very similar, which is probably why we clash so much. We're like the same personality type. And I just, I look at, you know, every time I look at my dad, I think, wow, fire out. This was not yeah, out of us, like, this is God's love and forgiveness. This is God's restoring power that we are where we are at right now. Because, man, back then, when you're not speaking, like, you just don't think there's any way back. But God made a way. God's love and forgiveness made a way. 
And I love my testimony because the fact is Jesus forgave me. It all started in the moment where I accepted Jesus into my life. He forgave me. And after I understood that love and forgiveness and understood that loving forgiveness from my heavenly father, I was able to outwork that forgiveness into my relationship with my earthly father. So my relationship with my heavenly father was restored And that led to my earthly father's relationship and mine being restored. And I just think that's so cool. That forgiveness leads to restoration. Healing and restoring power are in forgiveness. And can I just say, another vulnerable moment, be be nice, but it's not my easy and natural response to forgive straight away. Like, it's not easy. You're all, I don't know if you're judging me or if you're like, yeah, I'm with you. (laughs) But the thing is, is I want to hold on to things. More importantly, I want to be right. (laughs) Like, I want to be right. And sometimes when someone hurts me, like, they don't even care. So why would I forgive them? Sometimes I want to feel sorry for myself. Forgiveness is hard, it's uncomfortable, and it's confronting. And get this, forgiveness costs a lot. It's really true when they say that forgiveness is releasing a prisoner and you realizing that you were the one behind the bars all along. When you release love and forgiveness, you release yourself. Unforgiveness will rob you of your future because it ties you to your past. Ephesians 4.32 says, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Forgiveness is hard. I'm not saying it's easy. There are moments now, this week, today, when someone hurts me or someone betrays me or... Whatever it is, and all I want to do is hold on to that hurt. They don't deserve my forgiveness. Maybe they're not even sorry. I don't even think they care. But forgiveness is not about them. It's about you. As I learn more about God's forgiveness for me and how much he loved me and cared for me, despite my many, 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 many flaws... He loved and cared for me despite that. I saw my relationship with my dad restored, come back together fully because of what God did in my life and in my heart. And the greatest truth that we can live in today is the knowledge that Jesus has forgiven us. Jesus has forgiven you. This story of Jesus and the paralytic man is actually historically and religiously scandalous. It's blasphemous and impossible to think that a man can forgive someone of their sins. That was God's business and only God can do that. And he did. The reason Jesus could forgive this man of his sins was because he would pay the ultimate price for the man's pardon in his own body. Forgiveness costs a lot. Jesus' mission on this earth was forgiveness. It wasn't judgment. It wasn't condemnation. It was forgiveness. 
Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. If you've never heard the story of Jesus before, he died for you, to forgive you. And when dying on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do to save you. And he died for you, releasing you so that you wouldn't be a slave to your sin, to your shame, to your guilt or your past anymore. And you know what Jesus did is he conquered death and he took the weight off of you so that you could walk out of your prison of the past and you could be set free. All we need to do now is choose to be found in that forgiveness. And what does that look like? What does that even look like? It means understanding that we are all broken. And without Jesus, we're on a mat, going nowhere, immovable and paralyzed. All of us. And I don't think the significant part of the story was that a paralyzed man walked away after meeting Jesus. That's awesome. But I think it was the fact that he was restored by Jesus and then got to walk away from his past. When we encounter Jesus, we're restored. But we have to choose to stand up and walk. We have to choose to live differently. Walk like you've been forgiven. Be found in forgiveness. It's my prayer that I would be someone found in forgiveness. It's still a daily struggle for me. Not only releasing love and forgiveness on those that I need to, but that I would walk in the fullness of the forgiveness of Christ. Understanding that when He forgave me, He also restored me completely, just like Jesus did for that man. He forgave him and he walked out completely restored. Come on, church, let's pray. Maybe you're here and you're like me and you're going through a situation right now where you feel pretty paralyzed or someone's maybe hurt you or taken your trust. I know that when I've tried to hold on to unforgiveness, it's tied me back and I couldn't move forward because it kept connecting me to my own hurt, what I was feeling. But when I chose to release that forgiveness and hand it over to God, restoration followed. And so if you're here this morning and you feel like that's you. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. I'm just going to pray over everyone here. But if that's you, really hold on to this in your heart. And I want you to take a moment to just release that love and forgiveness back to God. God, I pray for those who are hurting right now, those who have been betrayed or let down. We just release your love and forgiveness over those people when we choose to forgive and over ourselves, God. Would your forgiveness bring us peace and healing in every situation in this room, God? Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. 
We believe this message will inspire you into greater intimacy with Jesus, relationship with others, and influence in your world. If you would like to know more about us, you can visit us online at www.elevationchurch.com.au.